98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Weekly Blast. The Cardinals played a nearly perfect preseason game on Friday. Zero turnovers, two penalties, an inspired performance from their third-string quarterback, a pass rush despite the loss of Chandler Jones and impact performances from Andy Isabella and Greg Dorch, and a team that produced 36 points in the first three quarters. It was all too good to be true, literally. And that is because preseason football means nothing, because the players who tilt the field and actually decide games are watching in street clothes and everything changes when those game changers are on the field and the jury is still out. If the Cardinals have a shortage of game changers, as the NFL Top 100 list would suggest, or if they've got multiple players on the verge of breakout seasons. But this game looked really good from an organizational standpoint, from a confidence and swagger standpoint, and it looked really good on Cliff Kingsbury, who pulled Kyler Murray out of his comfort zone and made him stay engaged on the sideline, and because the only time the Cardinals were stopped on Friday is when Kyler Murray was calling the plays, and that should lead to a lot of good-natured ribbing in the locker room, and that is exactly how a football team grows from the inside out. So once again, count your blessings. Zero turnovers and two penalties in a Cliff Kingsbury game? That's something even Bill Bellett chick would be proud of. All right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who make luxury affordable with two great locations and one great experience. Find them online at ChapmanBMW.com. You know, anytime you get, get out of preseason healthy and, and can play a clean game with substitutions, penalties, um, no turnovers, I thought that was uh, what we wanted out of it. Um, long way to go. A lot of stuff we got to get better at, but uh, we preached playing clean, and uh, I thought we did that for the most part. Yeah, I was Cliff after the game on uh, Friday night. And yes, it's easy to gloss over it and say, what does it mean? It's not that big of a deal to play a clean game in preseason. I was certainly aware of it while watching the game, thinking, wow, this is running very smoothly for preseason game number one, considering you have second, third, fourth stringers out there. And then on the flip side of it, look at a situation like the Dallas Cowboys. Their fans are up in arms right now. Now, Preseason means nothing, but they had 17 uh, penalties in a game where they scored seven points uh, in in the preseason season. Neither one, whether it's on the positive end of the spectrum or the negative end of the spectrum, it's not as dark or as light as it seems. It's somewhere in the middle. But I'd much rather be on the Cardinals side of things. Going into a game yeah, against Baltimore, right. a home game where, hey, we were we were pretty buttoned up. It doesn't mean much, no. But again, it, it, it's a sign, and you hit this perfectly before, when you said it's the sign of a focused football team at this point yeah. of the preseason. Yeah, focused in and and they were they actually were really you know on it, which is good, and it's it's much better than the alternative because if you were on the other side, if you were the Bengals and Zach Taylor, you've got to answer for all those penalties and all those holding calls, and you know you had a couple of really big plays uh, negated by Thaddeus Moss and and uh, careless holding.
getting penalties on the edge. Those are the kind of things and the kind of games that make you go, all right, what kind of clown show are you running here? And and the fact that the Cardinals played that clean was was a revelation. And listen, I thought not only was I really impressed with Trace McSorley, this Guarantano kid played with that kind of confidence too, and you love to see that. And, and it got to the point at the end of the third quarter where you could see James Conner was hype with what he was seeing from these guys. And they were coming off the field after scoring, and they were getting love from the starters. And, and that was a really cool scene, you know? And there's Isaiah Simmons over there chopping it up with DJ Humphreys. That's a cool scene. It, it, it was a good night for the team. I'm not, I'm not going to suggest otherwise. It's much better than the alternative. But the thing you got to balance it with, and and I don't mind doing this dance all week long because I think at the very least that football game gave them some credibility that well okay they're they're getting stuff done they're they're that looks good well and let's face it just optically with the off season the Cardinals had starting with the the, the postseason loss to the Rams all we've we've covered it ad nauseum all the missteps they've had along this way. They needed something that looked looked buttoned up and professional, and mm-hmm. they got it. Yeah, now, yeah, can, they did. Can you capitalize on Listen, this? Listen, so Will Hernandez uh, was received incredibly high grades coming out of that game mm-hmm. for a starting member, the only starting member of the offensive line playing. He looked really good. Again, he's going up against mostly backups, but still, he looked like a good, physical, tough player. So I love what I saw from him. There wasn't a lot of neg- negative stuff coming out of the game, other than a couple of defensive pieces that I think are 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 problematic for this football team. But as I said in the blast, the difference is this. Football teams, to be great in the NFL, to win Super Bowls, I'm convinced you need to have X amount of impact players, X amount of real elite playmakers. I don't know what that number is. Eight, mm-hmm. nine, something like that. And the question is out whether the Cardinals have enough of them, particularly on defense. Uh, I saw a thing MJ tweeted out about how, in terms of the money allocated to this football team, they, they've got a lot allocated to the offense. They're about darn near last. They were last. They 30, were last. 32nd in defensive okay. spending. In defensive spending. So there's some real question marks on that side of the ball. And when you fold in these impact players from both sidelines into real live action, it ain't going to look like it did on Friday. And the Cardinals have got to be as good as they were against impact players as they were against the Bengals on Friday. You mentioned it, too. The Cardinals so far, the NFL is is doing their list of the top 100 uh, players in the league. They do it every year as voted on by the players. I'd still love to learn more about that process, by the way. But uh, so far, three Cardinals have entered that list. James Conner cracked into the top 100. Uh, He's number 80. The other two that have appeared so far, big fallers from last year. Buda Baker came in at 67th, a 48-spot drop from last year. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. <laughs> and, and the fact that Kyler Murray was in the back 50. Yeah, he's number 57. He dropped 18 spots from last year. I, I Right. Uh, again, I, I don't know. I think it's kind of laughable if you, you think there's actually 55 better football players than him, but whatever. But but it, it speaks to what I'm saying here. If you've got three players in the NFL's top 100, do you have enough players in the top 100? That's what the big question is, and what does that mean once the real games begin? Are we assuming that Hopkins is not going to make it? I, I mean, the way those rankings go, injury and production is figured in heavily. 
I mean, and it's it's a Which, it's a it's a snapshot of last year that's too. All it is. You're yeah. getting lost in the details here, Jared. It's it's not whether or not DeAndre Hopkins is going to make it or not. It's it's just the question mark. Do they have enough of these guys? Yeah, and that's we, what it we is. all know that DeAndre Hopkins is clearly clear a, a, a top thirty player in yeah. the NFL, right? So, so, to, so to me, but it's just more of the point. It's not what's going to be unveiled coming up here. It's just do they have enough of these guys? If if Kyler Murray is considered back fifty and Buddha Baker is considered back fifty, then then you, and so D Hop is really the only guy left there, and so. The Cardinals can negate that by having a quarterback who's great mm-hmm. or by having young guys who pop. Yep. And there were young guys who popped on Friday. So there's optimism to take out of it. We'll continue to talk Cardinals football with uh, Kyle Vandenbosch from the Cardinals broadcast team. That's straight ahead. It's Bickley and Murata mornings on this Monday, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Camp Takeoff 2022 is a go. Now presented by 72 Zones and Arizona Cardinals football, 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Cardinals opened up their preseason with a 36-23 win over the Cincinnati Bengals on Friday. Lots of good to come from it, from uh, what we saw on the field. Here to talk about it with us from the Cardinals broadcast team, former Cardinal defensive end Kyle Vandenbosch, our guest here on the Arizona Sports Line. Kyle, good morning. How are you, man? I'm doing well, guys. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, you just wanted to get your your over to start the conversation. Your overarching thoughts on uh, what what you saw from the Cardinals, especially on the defensive side of the ball on Friday. Yeah, so uh, big picture, I think you guys have been touched on it all morning. You know, it's difficult. It's easy to overreact, especially these preseason games. But I'm going to go ahead and say you guys can uh, start to look for some Super Bowl tickets. It looks like they're uh, poised and ready to <laughs> nice. make a run after. I, I mean, I, I just I got that feeling. No, but seriously, I mean, um, you, you know, on top of the things you guys talked about that you can take away at least, you look for things that you can build off of and take away. You know, the lack of penalties, no turnovers, no substitution problems says a lot about the coaching staff and how they had this team prepared. Um, but, you know, the, one of the other big things I noticed, and if you just zoom out and rewatch the game and just focus on the line of scrimmage, um, when we were on defense, our guys were um, constantly a yard, two yards in the backfield, making plays, getting tackles for a loss. I thought our interior defensive line, um, guys that you know don't typically get talked about, Jonathan Ledbetter mm-hmm. um, was disruptive. Manny Jones, you had mentioned earlier, Christian Ringo looked explosive. Rashard Lawrence had a big tackle for a loss early. Um, that's going to make a big difference for this defense this year if that continues. Um, and then flipping it over um, to the other side, um, our offensive line was moving people off the line of scrimmage. And, you know, you just look at the statistics. We were four for four in goal-to-go situations. Um, you know, um, the thing that stands out is, is the uh, – it was like third and one several times, and we easily punched it in. And all of their defensive linemen had their heels in the end zone, and our offensive linemen were driving them back. We were five of six in red zone possession. So um, those are things that, you know – show a sign that this team is at least doing some good things. Um, they're prepared. Um, you know, I, having watched training camp, um, it's different. It doesn't feel like training camp to me. Um, you know, my concern, as always, I worry about, um, you know, whether they're getting enough physical work. Um, but they were the more physical team um, in that game. 
And, you know, when you see a team like the the Lions and Hard Knocks, and I've listened to actually the the Ravens defense coordinator do an interview on the radio, and they said any time they have pads on, they tackle to the ground. And you don't see much of that out at Cardinals training camp, and so that's something that you worry about. But um, they look physical, and, and that's a good thing and a good thing to build off of. What, do, what does a football team take out of a zero turnover, two penalty performance? Operationally, it was a very clean game. Um, does, what, what does that mean to a, the, the inner workings of a football team? Well, I think it's huge. I think it's, um, again, um, you know, it's a huge credit to the coaching staff. Um, it's, it's something that every team preaches, but, um, you know, when you're – mixing and matching lineups and rolling guys in, um, you know, that, that probably aren't getting a ton of the reps um, in training camp. Um, I, I think that's a huge thing. And, it's again, it says a lot about um, this coaching staff to have a team ready. I, honestly, um, it, it's hard to remember a first preseason game by any team looking that clean. And, um, you know, even – even the flow of the offense early in the game, um, you know, just converting, getting getting yardage on first down, putting them in second manageable and then third and manageable, and, and continually, you know, that first drive of the game, just marching your way down the field. Um, it, I, I really can't point to anything that is concerning coming out of this game. Um, and, and I do think – you know, one other takeaway you could take, um, I, I've, you know, I remember playing in preseason games where our first unit was out there and we'd go and we'd dominate and then we start rolling in second and third team guys and we start to get blown out. I mean, those guys just are, are, are not playing well on the football field. And I think with the addition of the 17th game, um, with, you know, how teams are, um, you know, dealing with certain injuries here and there, I think you can't discount having quality depth. And it did not appear that um, any position group or any player really throughout that game was a liability. Now, there were mistakes there, but there wasn't a ton of missed tackles. It didn't appear like anybody was, you know, there wasn't receivers running wide open. There was some technique errors, um, but there, w- there wasn't huge liabilities where you say, oh, man, we got to start searching the waiver wires now because we need to upgrade our third, second, and third string players. Kyle Vandenbosch, our guest here on the Arizona Sports Line. You kind of led me where I was going with my next question, Kyle. Looking forward, and I, I agree with your point on having quality depth being important, but with this schedule now altered, only three preseason games, number two could be a big one. It's on national TV. If you're Cliff Kingsbury, are you are you plugging in more of your starters for uh, at least a few reps against Baltimore? Um, you know, again, not to sound old school, but I think you have to. Um, there's something to be said for going through a pregame routine, um, getting ready, preparing mentally and physically uh, for a game. You really hate to go into your first game and not having gone through that. Go through, um, you know, your warm-ups, go through your pregame meetings, go through um, your mental processes. You really don't want your trial run to be week one, I think. Um, and then there's, there's other factors. I mean, it is a primetime game. There is going to be a lot of eyeballs on this team. Um, you know, you always – you say you don't care about outside noise and what people say, but, but it does matter. You want fans nationwide to get excited about this team. Now, understanding it may just be for a series. It may just – some guys may only get a couple of plays. Um, you know, but I think, it, I think it's important for this team. Um, nationally – 
uh, there's a narrative now about this team, and it's it's not all good. Um, it's it's about you know the last thing they that people saw, mm-hmm. and it wasn't good. And so, I think coming out looking sharp early with some of our key players, if not all of them, um, and on top of that, um, you know there's um, there's a whole rollout of this new black helmet, and I think you know Kyler Murray would probably like to be out on the field with the cameras on him displaying this, and I think it um, you know it shouldn't, but it gets this fan base excited. I think nationwide, I think people are going to um, you know kind of take a different look at the Cardinals with the new uniform. So I think that there is some value to it, and I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of the key players are out there because game two, like you said is what game three of the preseason used to be. At some point, I feel like you've got to go through that, get your units out there working together a little bit, at least prepare um, as if it's a game week. You know, know, when we had that third preseason game, when I was playing, um, everything operated exactly like a game week. How you practice Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then you start to scale back um, for Friday and Saturday practices. So I um, I, I think that that's important um, going into this game. That is such a great point to make that that this was a calming uh, performance because this is the first time they played a game, real or otherwise, since that debacle in L.A. And you're right, that that was important for them to look competent and and all that. Let me ask you this though: if the, if there's a negative, Zayvon Collins and where he's at, uh, he didn't pop on Friday like a lot of people had hoped he would. Are you concerned about this young man and and whether or not he's going to be good enough to win a starting job? Uh, I think it's too early to be concerned, to be honest with you. I think um, the coaching staff did the right thing. Um, he's a kid that just needs reps. You know, when you're at that inside linebacker position, um, I, I think he's a smart kid. And I think sometimes, you know, some players and guys traditionally I played with think too much. Whereas when you're playing that inside linebacker position, you've got a split second to react to what you see. And you've got to get to a point where you feel things. You get pre-snap reads. You can read a guy's stance. You read the fullback's first step. You know exactly where the play is going. You see the backside guard sitting light and you know he's pulling. Um, those things come through repetitions. And so um, there, there's a lot of value to him going out there. I don't think there's a huge concern. Um, you know, he's got all the physical attributes. Um, anytime you listen to him or any of the coaches talk about him, they talk about how serious he is, how hard he prepares. So I think it will come. Um, you know, he's not going to be a finished product week one. Um, but I think just continually getting these reps throughout uh, the preseason is going to help him. It's also going to help him to be playing around other veteran players with experience. He didn't necessarily have that this past game. Um, Other guys that are out there and giving him a comfort level, having the um, comfort knowing that the guys around you are going to be in the right spot and know what they're doing. So, um, you know, you didn't see him pop. Um, He's kind of just – he wasn't bad. It just kind of – he was out there, you know. And with with his draft position, with his hype coming out, um, you hope to see more flash. You but um, again, at his position, you know his job primarily will be to fix some of our run game issues that we had last year. He needs to be able to meet fullbacks in the hole. He needs to be able to take on guards with his hat in hands and and shed and make plays. He's not quite there yet, yeah. um, but I think it will come. Kyle, great stuff this yeah. morning. Thanks for joining great us, man. Stuff, we'll we'll talk again soon. 
All right, thanks, guys. Thank thanks, you. brother. Kyle Vandenbosch from the Cardinals broadcast team. He joined us on the Arizona Sports Line. Coming up next, a certain co-host of mine told you on Friday to watch Swaggy <laughs> T. And man, was he right. We'll get into that and more next. Pickley and Murata mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Camp Takeoff 2022 is a go. Covering every presented by 72 Zones and Arizona Cardinals football, 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Two minutes to go in the first half, third down at six with their own 42. Cardinals up 16-9 on the Bengals. Jonathan Ward flanking Trace McSorley in the gun. Will Hernandez still at right guard. McSorley short set, pumps. Now he's in trouble, escapes the rush, and he's on the run. No throws before the line of scrimmage. He's got Andy Isabella wide open inside the 30, down near the 25-yard line. How about that escape act to extend the play? Trace McSorley eyes downfield, and he hits Andy Isabella. That's huge. That was like the main goal coming into it was just getting the victory. So having been able to come in and do that, got a lot of guys with some good touches and good tape out there, good tape for us to be able to go and review and just keep keep improving on. So it was a great week. Trace McSorley. Love that Love dude. that guy. <laughs> what is up? Swaggy T. Swaggy T. You got to puff out your chest a little bit. All right. You, you, were, you were talking about it on Friday. I uh, Did I think it was a little over the top that you were that excited to watch Trace McSorley play you football? Did. You I laughed did. at me very frequently over the course and of And usually when I laugh at you, I'm wrong. I wouldn't say usually, but but uh, but I have my moments. I remember I one time you told me Kyler Murray was going to be the number <laughs> one overall right. pick of the Cardinals. Yeah, I laughed yeah, at you. You did laugh at me. They're all going to laugh at you. Well, listen, it's the swaggy thing about Trace McSorley that made that start so interesting to me, right? That was the whole thing. And again, you got the song handy, Jarrett? Really? Because there might be people who do not know that somebody is once inspired to write a song in honor of Trace McSorley. This guy's getting a lot of run this week. He is, and he should, because uh, he was that in control of the game. He was brave. He was running the football. He looked to me like a perfect... If Kyler Murray got hurt in an injury, he looked like the kind of... There you go. Sorry, that was a little bit rougher than I How about he got his first preseason win in the the natty? Yeah, so I was really... I was really impressed with him. I really was. He well, he had a he had a very decorated career. I, I tell you, that's one of the overarching themes of Friday's game. It was a great night for Penn State University as far as the Cardinals go. I thought Jesse Lucetta flashed. What? Jer- oh, you're not talking to me. I, and I thought Trace McSorley was uh, was sensational in terms of w- taking an opportunity and running with it. Now, again, he's a third-string quarterback. I'm not getting goofy with this. But to me, you'd have a real f- valid fear of losing this guy. I don't think you could cut this guy and then bring this guy back on your terms. I think they'll keep three. I, I think, think you're I, right. I think his job is safe. And what does it all mean big picture? Yeah, he's he's playing well against second, third, third team. Teamers. But generally speaking, in the NFL, if you get to your third string quarterback, if you have to rely on him at any point in the regular season, you're screwed. Mm-hmm. You want to be as you know competitive as you can, and and for that to be the first offering from Trace McSorley as a third string quarterback, 
Um, you know, if it came to that, people would have at least <laughs> right now one game of optimism to, to lean on. Like, hey, Trace McSorley looks like he knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's all you can hope for from a third string quarterback. Well, it just he was I, I mean, again, he was just he had live legs. He looked very, very confident. He was playing under center quite frequently. And it was uh, it was working, man. It was working. And that guy is going to be on this here station around 1045 or 11 o'clock talking to Wolf and Luke today. Nice. So if you want to hear nice. from Swaggy T. Swaggy T. <laughs> just stay right here. Jared, you got time to create a song between now and then. <laughs> no, there's already one. You're not going to top already that one. one. Yeah, yeah you're not, you're not going to top that what, one. Was the other, what was the fourth string guy's named? Gorantano. Jarrett? Yeah. Jarrett. Shut up, Jarrett. His name is Jarrett. His name is Jarrett. There you go. I forget that. Hey, he, and I, I really like the way he looked, too. He th- he looked, that touchdown pass he threw was beautiful. Well, and just Thrown just across his body. How how bouncy he was on his feet. He just, uh, both those guys, I was not I was not expecting to see things go that no, smoothly. You heard Kyle Vandenbosch say it. Get your Super Bowl tickets yeah, now. He, well, there was a lot of great analysis from Kyle there. I'm not kidding. There, he, he, he dropped a lot of good stuff. And the thing I didn't think about was the last. Uh, the last display from this football team was that debacle in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. So to come out, and even though it's only just a preseason game, I think it's going to go a long way in kind of calming people down about the Cardinals and kind of going, okay, you know what? Maybe they are going to be yeah. that kind of team this year. Well, moving past this week and, and moving forward into the Baltimore game, I, I think there's going to be now, even more eyes on the running back position. With, yeah. with Benjamin and Ward and Keontae Ingram, they're all fighting for his spots and, yeah, and for playing time. Do we see any of Daryl Williams in the game against Baltimore? I, I think that that's become a very intriguing position room. Completely. Um, Eno uh, had one really nice run, by what I can remember, but I do think you're going to have to get to the bottom of that, and that's gonna. And the other thing about Swaggy T too, we have to we have to say this. There were a couple of very near interceptions that might have changed the way you looked at Swaggy T's night had they turned into interceptions. More couple, like Swaggy INT, am I right? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but again, I don't want to rain on that young man's parade. But I just see you know, I'm just trying to keep it real here. But he was. Uh, I thought that was great. I thought uh, there was just a lot of good stuff that I thought was really, really good. There's one more from Trace McSorley on what he thinks he needs to get better at. Yeah, I mean, there's stuff that we'll be able to go back and look at. Uh, we were pretty efficient, felt like, took care of the ball, didn't have any turnovers, so that's overall going to be winning football for us. And I think some of the times probably could just take in some of the things underneath, not try to force it down the field too much. Probably got a little greedy at times, but that's something we'll, we'll be able to get back and watch the film and improve on. Now, he got some, he got some criticism from Wolf on the television broadcast. When he got close to the goal line on that run, and he didn't, uh, yeah, he didn't get into the end zone, right? And Dave Pash was like, "Wolf, calm Come down, on, man. He's, He's two hundred pounds, dude. Come on." <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was quite something. Yeah, but overall positive uh, for him moving forward, and uh, we'll see what what it looks like on Sunday. That'll be the last preseason game of Week Two with uh, the Baltimore Ravens coming to town. And that game actually has a storyline, too, because people are watching the Ravens now to see if they can extend this ridiculous preseason winning streak. Uh, that'll be on the line, too, on Sunday night. Coming up next, we continue Giveathon Week for Phoenix Children's, presented by your Valley Hyundai dealers and Ak-Chin Indian community. The Giveathon for Phoenix Children's is presented by your Valley Hyundai dealers and the Ak-Chin Indian community. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station, and the Arizona Sports app. 
Giveathon on the Bigley and Marauder Show. Yes, it is Giveathon Week for Phoenix Children's. It's presented by your Valley Hyundai dealers and Akchin Indian community. And once a year for a week in August, we uh, join efforts with KTAR 92.3 FM uh, and here on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station to raise funds for Phoenix Children's because they need our help. Uh, and uh, we've uh, you know, we've done this for years. We've got a goal in mind. Last year, able to raise $1.8 million in the process for Giveathon Week. Uh, and we try to get the message across, Bic, on why it's so important uh, for people to become champions of hope if they have the opportunity to. Uh, but uh, we're going to bring in a guest who could probably put it in much better terms than we can. Tim Harrison is the VP of Corporate Partnerships and Special Events for Phoenix Children's, and he joins us right now on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Tim, uh, great to kick off another Giveathon Week for Phoenix Children's with you. Thank you, guys. Yes, appreciate you having me on. Always excited for this week with you guys. You really do such a great job of telling the listeners and letting the community know what an amazing hospital this is. No doubt, Tim. And why don't you go ahead and sketch out for our listeners why it is so important that there is community engagement in, in a give-a-thon like this? Yeah, well, we are a nonprofit hospital. So though you see those beautiful buildings around town and there's more coming, that we need the help of the community to support and run this hospital. It costs about $2.7 million a day to run the hospital, so it's not a cheap undertaking. And we we see all of the kids come to us. There's almost 400,000 outpatient visits last year, just to give you an example. Nearly 100,000 were emergency visits, so the need is great. And a lot of these families, they're, you know, the underserved community, we're here for those families. And so we rely on, you know, the listeners and people and companies like, you know, the Valley Hunt dealers and the Action Indian community just stepping up and supporting Arizona Children's Hospital. And Tim, there's so many uh, programs, too, that we we try to highlight during the course of the week that uh, rely solely on the philanthropy of our listeners. Can you tell us about some of those? Sure. Yeah, there is a lot. There's over 65 different programs that are either fully funded by philanthropy or philanthropy really steps in. And some of those are, you know, playrooms and, you know, pet therapy, music therapy, the things that really make a difference. But a lot of people don't know we have a school on site just to keep up with schoolwork, make sure that kids don't fall behind whilst they're dealing with something stressful. But it's some of the small things that really make a difference and, you know, what we talk about all week, this week, and you guys really amplify is, you know, be a supporter, help bring a teddy bear, bring a smile to a kid's day, brighten up the day, whether they're a little infant or they're a 15, 16-year-old kid. You'll be amazed at what these teddy bears do for these kids. Well, Tim, great to talk to you. Thanks so much for calling in again. We are thrilled to be partnered with uh, Phoenix Children's again, and, and here's to a very successful week. Thank you, guys. Thank you. That's Tim Harrison, the VP of Corporate Partnership, Special Events of uh, Phoenix Children's, calling to help us kick off a Giveathon Week for Phoenix Children. It's underway. You can become a champion of hope right now. Call the Desert Financial Phone Bank at 602-933-4567. Again, what does a champion of hope mean? That means you donate $20 per month or a one-time visit of two, a one-time donation of $240. When you do that, a teddy bear will be delivered to a patient in your name, and you also get 
get a little bit of an incentive, too. Uh, your choice of a kid's pass at Wildlife World Zoo or a cobblestone car wash. Again, that's uh, becoming a champion of hope. $20 per month, 602-933-4567 is the phone number to do that. Again, 602-933-4567. Uh, my favorite part of, of all this uh, is when we get to hear some check presentations. We got another generous check uh, donation oh, from our friends at uh, Orange Theory Fitness. All right, I'm sitting here with two guys from Orange Theory Fitness and the Austin Fitness Group, Terry Blaycheck and Dave Sims. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. Hello, hello. We're Thanks glad for, to be here. Thanks for having us. So this is the first year that your group has been involved with the Phoenix Children's Hospital give on So Terry, I'm going to start with you. Why decide to partner with PCH? Orange Theory Fitness uh, changes people's lives, look better, feel better. Phoenix Children's Hospital does that too. It changes people's lives in a lot of different ways. And what a great uh, way for us to partner up with someone that kind of has those same vision, same goals in mind. Terry, I know you have a big check. I don't know how big the check is. But, <laughs> well, physically uh, the, the, large, the, the, at yeah, least. Not, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're excited about that. And so today we're going to kick that off with a $10,000 check just to get us started. Well, we are so glad to have you all in the mix this year and moving forward. Phoenix Children's Hospital is an absolutely incredible institution, as I'm sure you will only learn as your partnership grows. So thank you both. Give us an hour and we'll uh, change your life. Phoenix Children's Hospital helping us change things. And uh, we're excited about it. So thank you so much. Awesome. Thank, yeah, thanks thank for having you guys. us. Thank That's you so great. much to Orange Theory yeah. Fitness, $10,000. And our first two check presentations, yeah. Vic, were from from companies like Train and Spirit Halloween Superstores. They've been involved in give week for Phoenix Children's for years and years. So to get Orange Theory on board for their first year, kudos to them. Thank you so much. And you can, uh, you can do the same. You can become a champion of hope. $20 per month. Call 602-933-4567. Uh, it's time for another story of hope presented by Matt. Anatomy Holmes. Getting a driver's license is a big milestone for any teenager. For a parent, it's a milestone that comes with some concerns, but getting a call that your son has been involved in a serious accident is one of your worst nightmares. This is Colton's story. I'm Tara. I'm Colton's mom. And I'm Colton, and this is my story. I was heading home from the lake and my back tire blew. His car rolled about 10 times, and on the third roll, he was ejected through the front windshield head first. I blacked out on the first roll, and then I woke up on the ground. Couldn't move my legs, and I was pretty beat up. I knew I was paralyzed. So damn easy to say that life's so hard. Everybody's got their share of battle scars As for me, I'd like to thank my lucky stars That I'm alive and well They were pretty close, so I was able to get there before the helicopter A horrible feeling, because <laughs> you don't know, um, is he going to make it? He grabbed my hand and told me he was sorry because he didn't have a seatbelt on. <laughs> and uh, I gave him a kiss and he told me how much he loved me and I told him how much I loved him and I just held him for a minute and that was pretty much all we had time to say. And today you know that's good enough for me Breathing in and out a blessing can you Well, I 
was flown to PCH. His leg had been degloved. He had a broken back and then an aortic tear, and it just kind of kept piling on, and the nightmare just got bigger and bigger, and the blessing was was that he was alive. I mean, he just, every doctor that came in said that scientifically he, he never should have survived that car accident. Stars are dancing on the water here tonight. It's good for the soul when there's not a soul in sight. This boat has caught its wind and brought me back to life. Now I'm alive. a goal when and that was that I wanted to walk across the stage for graduation to receive my diploma. I'll be walking across the stage in two weeks. It's um, amazing how far he's come. Hopefully I don't fall. hospital is amazing. If he would have gone anywhere else, there's no way he would have survived. That's where he needed to be to live. He's going to walk again. He's going to do some amazing things in this life, that's for sure. That was Colton's story, and uh, I know a story that... Uh, resilience, man. Resilience, but a story that so many people, including the two people in this studio, can relate to when you have kids that are old enough to drive. That is a huge fear, uh, and God forbid anything should happen. But uh, if it does, know that Phoenix Children's is 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 there, uh, right in our very own backyard. What a story from Colton. Yeah, and to hear him say, walking across the stage, graduation. Yeah, I hope they don't fall. Oof. Resilience, man. Uh, you can become a champion of hope, and you can help out kids like Colton at Phoenix Children's. 602-933-4567. What does champion of hope mean? That means $20 per month, and then a teddy bear gets delivered to a patient in your name. Uh, and right now, you hear that music. That means we are in a match. So if you call right now at 602-933-4567 and talk to one of the volunteers in the Desert Financial Phone Bank, your $20 becomes $40 thanks to the match by Walgreens. Thanks so much to them for their generosity. Again, become a champion of hope. 602-933-4567 is the phone number. Once again, 602-933-4567. Oh, I'm still... I'm still reeling from that story. Yeah. Misty over here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was intense. But yeah. What an amazing story. Again, uh, Teddy Bear will be delivered uh, to a patient in your name. You'll receive your choice of a kid's pass at Wildlife World Zoo or Cobblestone Car Wash. Um, there goes that train Teddy Bear Express again. So those those donations that you make, those teddy bears, they land in the hands of a patient at Phoenix Children's. As we continue, Give-A-Thon Week for Phoenix Children's presented by your Valley Hyundai dealers and Ak-Chin Indian Community.